As always, I hope you have your Bible with you, and I hope you have it open to the text, but it will be on the overhead in the event that you don't. Now, I know that we are now in this passage of Scripture for the sixth Sunday. I do think that we'll finish these 11 verses next week. I'm not apologizing for taking this long because I think that these are some of the most monumental words uh, for you and I to understand about bearing fruit for the Lord. And if you and I are going to be fruit bearers, we've got to make a commitment to do that. And we've got to hear the words of the Lord Jesus. These words, every time I read them, they seem like they get more and more simple and easy to, to not easy to understand, but not always easy to, to put into practice. And so what I hope and pray that during these last five weeks and today and next Sunday, that you and I are learning things, trusting Christ that will bear fruit and we can put these into practice, okay? So please pray with me that the Spirit of God might speak again today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that although we were not there the night that Jesus shared these 11 verses with his disciples, I thank you that hundreds, thousands of years later, we can come together as the body of Christ and read the inspired word of God and ask your spirit to help us understand not only these words, but apply them to our lives, not only as a church body, but most especially as individuals. And Father, I do pray that your Holy Spirit has convicted us of where we've not been fruitful. And I pray, Father, that you've already begun the pruning process that we might set aside those things that are keeping us from abiding in your Son so that we can truly bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Lord, I ask again that you will speak through me this day. And Father, I confess not only am I uh, a, a person that is filthy with the things of this life, such as spots and stains, but Father, I'm so unworthy to stand before your people and share the word of God. So, Father, just pray that you will make your presence known this day. And I pray, Father, that we will listen to your son and we will be obedient and we will begin to bear even more fruit for you. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me quickly again read these 11 verses and just going to make a couple of comments, okay, as we read. Verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine, please notice that, every branch of mine. It is possible that you and I are believers. We've been washed in the blood of Christ. We profess faith in him. We're born into the kingdom of God. It is possible that we are not bearing fruit. This is what he's saying. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already made clean by the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Now, this is, I think, the key verse. Abide in me, I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit from far apart from me. You can do nothing. Now, folks, I want to tell you, we're not going to get this far, I believe, this morning, but next Sunday morning, God willing, we're going to take a close look at verse 6. Some of you have asked me, does this verse mean that a person can lose their salvation? I do not believe that that is the teaching of this verse, okay? 
and and I'll share that with you. I don't know if we'll get that far this morning or not, but I want you to I want you to pray about this and ask God to help you and me understand what he's saying here. Look at this, verse 6. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. So often when we think about the concept of someone burning, we think about the concept of the eternal hell. But folks, this morning, I want you to understand, I said I'll get on this next week, but I'll, I believe that Jesus is basically saying that in his day, if a grapevine was not bearing fruit, the only thing that it was good for was to be used for firewood. And folks, it raises a question as Christians, if we're not bearing fruit for the Lord, and, and I'm, this is not sarcasm, but what are we good for? I mean, if our relationship with God is just to get us into heaven, if that's the only relationship that we've got with Jesus just as an insurance policy, so to speak, to get us into heaven, what good are we? Jesus said if the salt has lost its saltness, it's good for nothing. And folks, again, I'm not trying to send you or me on a guilt trip. I'm trying to say Jesus is trying to tell his disciples, listen, I've got a purpose and a plan. And so often we as Christians hear this, God's got a purpose for our life. Well, folks, he does. And he wants to use us. And folks, remember this. I said I wasn't going to get off on it. Verse 11, Jesus said these things. I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Do you know that we're cheating ourselves out of the joy of serving Jesus Christ if we're not allowing his plan to be done in our life? This is what this passage of Scripture is teaching. It's a wake-up call for those disciples. They're getting ready to be threatened with death. Shortly, they're going to abandon the Lord, forsake him. But then they're going to come back together, and they're going to begin serving. If you aren't bearing fruit right now, here's the good news. It's not over. Your journey's not over. There's still more fruit to be born for the kingdom of God. Let me get back to, okay, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Let me stop right for just a second. You know why we ought to be bearing fruit? Because we love Jesus Christ. Not because the preacher said so, not because that's a real nice idea, but because we love Jesus. And we're willing to lay aside everything else that would give glory to ourselves or self-gratification, and we want to serve him. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And again, these wonderful words, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full my joy in you fullness of joy folks you remember last week we talked about the progression of the believer bearing fruit and i want to mention this again and we'll get into the sermon okay in verse two every branch of mine that bears no fruit now that's not god's will that's not jesus's will for you and i as his disciples that we not bear fruit and so he says that we can go from not bearing fruit to bearing fruit and then bearing more fruit and then bearing much fruit. And where do you think the Lord wants us to be at? And folks, if you and I sit down and graded ourselves on this progression, where are you and I right now? Well, here's the good news. If we're not bearing any fruit, God will give us the strength and ability to do that. 
If we're bearing fruit, he wants us to bear more fruit. And if we're bearing more fruit right now, he wants us to bear much fruit for his kingdom. So this is where we begin today. What kinds of spiritual fruit are mentioned in the Bible? And folks, I've got, uh, I've got seven that I want to just share with you quickly and briefly this morning. And I believe in the 830 service, we shared the first two last Sunday morning before we stopped. Okay, but let me quickly mention those again. Seven fruits that are mentioned in the Bible. Number one, we bear fruit when we win others to Christ. Now, again, I'm going to be just, these are just select verses. Most of them are going to have the word fruit within them. But folks, I hope this will just help us understand. Here's some ways that we can bear fruit. We bear fruit when we win others to Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 1.13. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I proposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, and that means I didn't get to come, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. It was Paul's desire that all men come to know the Lord as their personal Savior. I hope that is my desire and your desire and the desire of this church. Folks, the Lord wants us to be his witnesses, and being his witnesses, we would be helping lead others to Christ. Are we fruitless in that area? And folks, we cannot save anybody. I can't, you can't, this church can't, but Jesus can, and we point people to the Lord who can save them. That is bearing fruit through evangelism or sharing with the lost your faith in Christ. Secondly, we bear fruit when we are part of the harvesters. And folks, this is such an important passage of Scripture because this comes after Jesus has helped the woman at the well know that he is Messiah. And listen to what he says to the disciples. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? I tell you, lift up your eyes, see how the fields are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, one, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Last Sunday, I mentioned that God wants us to be a part of the harvest team. And folks, it doesn't make any difference if someone else gets the glory, right? I mean, we're about the Lord's business. He is the one who should get the glory. And you and I should never, ever think because of what is going on at this church is what we have done. Number one, it is what the Lord Jesus Christ himself has done. Number two, God had placed people at this church who are our spiritual forefathers who have worked and sacrificed and given so that we could be at the point we are right now. And folks, something we need to remember is that what we are doing right now sets the stage and foundation or lack thereof of what will happen in the future of this church. Amen. And if future generations are going to be blessed, it is because we will surrender ourselves completely and totally to be fruit-bearing Christians and a fruit-bearing church for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his plan, and that's the way that he works. A third way that we can bear fruit is when we grow in holiness. Let me read this verse to you. Uh, Romans 6, 22, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit under holiness and the end everlasting life. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us feel uncomfortable when we hear the word holiness? We do, don't we? 
And probably for most of us, the first thing that we gather a mental image of is someone who openly and emotionally expresses their religion. And we say, well, I don't want to be like a holiness. Well, folks, that's one of the problems. Satan has convinced us, and we do not understand that the word holy actually means to be set apart for God. And sometimes we associate holiness with something that is strange and fanatical. And I told this story at the, the 11 o'clock service because we got to the third one last Sunday. As a child growing up, before I knew the Lord and began to attend church, I could see from our house, literally there was a dirt street in front of our house, uh, a railroad track, another dirt street, another housing section. But there was a garage off to the left across the railroad tracks. And that garage stayed open six days a week. And the man that worked in the garage and ran it every single day, he was in his coveralls, he was greasy, he was sweaty, he was dirty. But every Sunday morning, I would get up and go down to the store and sit with the old man. I've told you how much I love that old store. And every Sunday morning, that man who Monday through Saturday would be greasy and sweaty and dirty because of his work would wear a suit and tie and have a Bible tucked under his arm, headed to church, walking to church. And after he would pass, the men at the store would begin to make fun of him and they'd say, oh, he's one of them holiness. And I would join right in there. I didn't know any different until I met Jesus Christ. Folks, it should not be something that we would think offensive as someone described us as people who are seeking to be holy. Because that's what Jesus desires that we do. And remember in the word of God, especially in the Old Testament, God said, be ye holy as I am holy, which means to be separate and set apart. And one of the problems in the world is that people don't see us as being different from themselves. And I am tired of hearing people say, well, why should I go to church? I, they're no better than I am. Well, folks, that might be true on some days, but let me tell you what makes us different. We have Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives, and people should be able to see that. I'm saying stuff you've already heard before many times from this pulpit and many other preachers, I'm sure. But, folks, there's a truth that we need to begin to live by, and one of the fruits that we would bear is lives that are holy and separated for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. A fourth thing that Paul describes as a fruit is Christian giving. Listen to this in Romans 15, 28. And I'm going to read this again out of the King James. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. You're saying, I don't see giving in that. <laughs> well, let me, let me explain the context, okay? Many Christians in Jerusalem, because, and many of them came from Jewish backgrounds, because they turned to Christ, they were abandoned and rejected by their families. So they lost everything. If they had businesses, they lost those businesses. If they had families that were supporting them, they lost all of that. And those early professing Christians literally gave everything, many of them, even their lives, because of their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And those early Gentile Christians in Asian areas where Paul went and ministered and preached and taught and churches began to grow, the Spirit of God led those churches to take up money to give to those poor people in Jerusalem who were suffering. 
And those gifts became fruits of the life that they were living for Christ. And Paul is telling these Roman Christians, I want to come see you in Rome, but first I've got to go and give the fruits of the churches of Asia to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And folks, I want to tell you, one of the fruits is dedicated Christian giving and a dedicated life. You know, one of the things that I believe we're struggling with more than anything else in our day is giving our time to God. Now, please, hear this from my heart again. You know, we have got time for everything except for the times of God. How many of us are guilty of that? I am too. And we always put God second or third or fourth or fifth or wherever. Paul describes Christian giving of self as a fruit of a dedicated life. Number five, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Are y'all getting sick and tired of me reading this verse? But let me point something out, folks. Why should I keep bringing up these nine fruits of the Spirit? Because these are the kinds of Christian characters that glorify God and make Christ in us real to others. Listen again what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. No law. Nine things. I was going to Dan for one day this week, and there was a person tailgating me. And ever since I was in the wreck last year, and, 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 and I know the young man didn't mean to hit me, but ever since I've been turned over on my side from somebody running into the back of me, if I see somebody's bumper in my back and my rearview mirror, it upsets me. And I lose my religion sometimes, and I have some very choice names, and I hate to admit that, but God knows it, so I might as well, I'm not going to share the name, but I might as well tell you, okay? <laughs> and so on the way to Durham, and I was running the speed limit, you know that 45-mile zone? between Samora and Milton. I had a man that was, I mean, he was on my bumper, on my bumper. And it upset me because I began to get real tense and I began to get real angry. But let me tell you what angered me more than anything else. I could see the license plate on the front of his truck and you know what was on it? Jesus. <laughs> I'm not trying to judge this man, but what I'm trying to say, look, Having Jesus on the front of your truck and tailgating somebody and almost running into him ain't a real good Christian witness, is it? Can I have amen on that? Well, folks, if we're not bearing these fruit of the Spirit, if we're not loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and under control, what witness are we bearing for Jesus Christ? Paul says, fruits of the Spirit. Number six, we bear fruit when we are, listen to Colossians, Colossians 1.10. <laughs> you talk about Paul giving a mouthful. Listen to what he says. Leading a life, listen, there are four things at least in this verse. Number one, leading a life worthy of the Lord. Number two, fully pleasing to him. Number three, good work. Number four, increasing in the knowledge of God. Four things. When those four things are incorporated in our life, we begin to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Number seven, listen to this. You're going to like this one, Betty, okay? We bear fruit when we give God praise from our hearts, which leads to expressing glory to God from our where? Our lips. 
Listen to this. Hebrews 13, 15. We're going to have to get y'all to sit on one of y'all to sit on that side over there so both sides are saying amen. All right? It's all, it's all on one side. Hebrews 13, 15, listen to this verse. Listen to this, y'all. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Now, let me ask you something. What, and, I, and again, I'm asking old Herbert Brown this, okay? What fruit are our lips bearing? The writer of Hebrews says that when we begin to give God praise in our hearts, it leads to an expression of giving glory to God from our lips. Now, again, think about this. It goes back to the fact we don't like to be called holiness, do we? I want to tell you one thing. I believe when Jesus comes back again, we're going to be glad that we stood up and gave him praise and glory. That's another thing. I, this, I'm going to say this again in sermon. This sounds like I'm, I'm griping all the time today. I saw a bumper sticker yesterday in Durham that made me so mad. <laughs> it said, tomatoes and Jesus coming soon. You think about that for just a second. I believe that person was trying to say that they do not believe that Jesus is coming back. But his coming back is about as important as fresh tomatoes coming in. I want to tell you something. The word of God says he is coming back. Amen. Get ready. It might be sooner than we expect. I'm glad I got that off my chest, okay? But look, getting back to what we're talking about, the fruit that the writer of Hebrews is mentioning is praising, singing, praying, testifying. Now, again, listen, none of this should ever be done for self-glory. And it would be better for us to keep our mouth shut than to lift ourselves up above the Lord Jesus Christ. But the problem is that we don't give him glory from a heart that's singularly committed to him. And so one of the fruits that the scripture says that we can give is to praise and sing and testify to him. And folks... I'm running out of time, and I want to save some of this for next week because, folks, I want to tell you, God's Word is so powerful. Not me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking about the Word of God. Just simply read it. But, folks, let me point something out. Spirit-produced fruit will go on reproducing from one life to another. Now, think about that for just a second. A lot of the stuff that you and I learn, a lot of attitudes, a lot of dispositions, we learn from who? Our parents, our grandparents. What's that song, that country song now about the boy that says he learned how to cuss and how to chew tobacco from his grandfather sitting on the front porch? I'm just telling you what I heard on the radio, all right? What are our young people hearing from us and are we teaching them? But folks, listen, here's the good part about it. When the Spirit of God is in control of our life and we're bearing fruit, more fruit, much fruit, guess what? We're touching somebody else's life. There's, there's a lady at Roxborough Post Office that if you go by there early in the morning, she's cleaning up. That's got to be one of the cleanest post offices in the United States. It smells like Lysol. I know that she does an outstanding job. But that lady will look at you and she'll smile and she'll say, good morning. 
I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that she's a Christian. You know why? You don't see other people like that anymore, do you? You don't see other people that are happy with their work, regardless of how great or small it might be. When I was a teenager and had first come to know the Lord, I was in the youth choir, believe it or not, at Grace Baptist Church. And there was this musical, this modern musical. Now, this is back in the 60s, all right? But it was entitled Pass It On. How many of you have sang that song before, Pass It On? Oh, come on. Y'all know that you have. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Don't you remember that song? It's a great song. And the whole point of the song was, if you got Jesus in your heart, pass it on to somebody else. Only a spark. Some of those great forest fires out west, the other day they were giving a demonstration of what one spark could do. One spark can just be taken by the wind currents and begin to sail and wherever it lands though if it's on suitable material it's going to cause a fire you know that and so a lot of times a fire happening in one area might have come from a spark that was happening in another my life and your life does count and we might never see the fires that get lit by the spark that jesus puts in our life but they will and here's the last thing I promise I'm going to say this morning for the invitation and prayer. Not every branch bears a bumper harvest. All branches have different gifts and different talents, but all fruit-bearing believers are important in the work of God's kingdom. I've said this before. I'll say it again, and if God gives me an opportunity, I'll say it again in the future. You know, the people that I think the most of in this church are the ones who quietly, day by day, live the Christian life. And other people know that they're born-again believers. Now, see, everybody as as a preacher, everybody expects me to act right, right? I mean, I'm a preacher. But these folks who have get no credit like I do and get no salary like I do and no acclamation like I do, but they're living that Christian life every single day. They're the ones that have impacted my life the most. I believe that is the work of the Spirit of God. And folks, that's what Jesus wants to do in our lives. He wants to bear fruit through us. Folks, there's such a tremendous opportunity now in in such a dark world. There's a world that's crying out, tell us the truth. Give us hope. And folks, the greatest truth is Jesus Christ and the greatest hope is Jesus Christ. You know, if we had a cure for cancer, we'd be telling everybody, wouldn't we? And I'd, we'd start right here in our church family. But folks, there's a cure for the cancer of sin and hopelessness that has invaded our world that seems to be in control and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some days I admit I feel that we're losing the battle, but I know that we're not. And you know why? Because we're following the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has already won the victory. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your word will take effect on our hearts and minds. 
Lord, regardless of how young or how old we are, help us to know that you want us bearing fruit. And perhaps, Lord, we've not been bearing fruit, but thank you, Father, that your son says that you'll prune us and that you will enable us to bear fruit for your kingdom. And I pray, Father, that will happen. Lord, I thank you for working through so many others that have touched our lives. Lord, I'm grateful for the the so-called rank-and-file membership of this church who daily go about their lives living for you and serving you and, and in a very humble and simple way giving testimony that they're serving you. Lord, right now, in many ways, it looks like the world is rejecting the gospel, but, Father, help us to see that it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And we just pray, Father, that you will put a fire in our heart that will cause us to love others in Jesus' name. Whether we could preach a sermon or not or teach a Sunday school lesson or not, Lord, just put that fire in our heart so that others will see Jesus in us. And help us, Father, that by the way that we live, people will know that we're Christians. And by the way that we love one another, especially within the body of Christ, that people will know that we're Christian. Lord, we all falter and fail. We're all people whose feet are made of clay in the sense that we fall to temptation and we sin and we say and do things that we shouldn't as the children of God. But thank you, Father, for picking us up and dusting us off and forgiving our sins and giving us that plan again that you have for our lives. And so, Father, I pray that we will commit ourselves to bearing fruit for your kingdom. And as we had this hymn of invitation, Father, I pray that if there are those here that need to simply come and kneel at the altar and give their life afresh and anew over to your son, I pray, Lord, that you'd lead them to do that. Father, I pray especially for those that might be here that, Lord, you've knocked on the door of their heart so many times, but they've said, no, Lord, may today as you knock on their heart, may they say yes. May they trust that your son is the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. And may they confess their lostness and sin and desire to repent and turn from sin. And may they truly believe that your Son died to set them free and give them birth into the kingdom of God. Lord, may the Spirit of God lead and move in these moments of invitation. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.